Let's pray for her. Father, we thank you for, for Debbie. We thank you for the word that you've placed in her heart as we journey in our series of following Jesus. God, we know that you call us to follow you in every way. I pray your spirit and your presence would rest heavily upon her, that she would bring the word you have placed within her to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. It's kind of weird looking at you all from this angle, but it's good. I'm liking this whole new thing going on. It's good. Um, so over the last few weeks, um, as a church, we have been studying some of the key rhythms and practices, um, habits that we basically see demonstrated really clearly in the life of Jesus. So to date, we've looked at prayer and worship, and we've spent a couple of weeks looking at creativity as well. So if you've missed any of those talks, I would really encourage you to have a listen on the podcast because they're really worth, well worth listening to. Um, and Adam, our guest speaker, he did a really good job last week um, looking at creativity through the lens of the story of Jesus turning the water into wine. So today we're moving on to our third practice, um, which is generosity and hospitality. And really, I think the perception um, of people in this country in terms of the world, it's pretty much that we are quite a friendly bunch, do you agree? I think that's what people think. They think of, they think of us and they think of a friendly, kind of hospitable group of people who love a cup of tea and who are very good at bringing people into their home. And of course, you need something sweet because we live in Northern Ireland, you can't, it's wrong to offer a cup of tea without something sweet. And you know, in our house, we actually have this, this is how sad this is, because we're a wee bit obsessed with tea in our house. We have one of these, <clears throat> maybe you have one too, one of these mugs where you can kind of see where you lie in terms of how you like your tea. Do you like it really milky or we, a splash of milk or what do you do? So yep, we definitely like we like our tea. And in some ways, when we're thinking about generosity and hospitality, these practices, they kind of go hand in hand, um, but I want to take a minute or two to define each of them separately as well so we get a bit of clarity around them individually. So let's take generosity first of all. Now, I found a Cambridge Dictionary definition, which I quite liked. A willingness to give help or support, especially more than is usual or expected. That's the bit I really like. More than is usual or expected. And now let's look at hospitality. The friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. Now, we want to really thank you guys for continuing to fill in these surveys. It's been really helpful for us, actually. Um, and the survey around this subject showed that many of you are opening up your homes um, on pretty much a weekly basis. Half of you are doing that on a, a daily or weekly basis, which is really encouraging. So we've made a really good start with this. And when we think about these as gifts, you might think about particular people who stand out. You might say, oh, so-and-so, they really have the gift of hospitality um, on them. But actually, I believe that every one of us are called to intentionally develop this in our own lives. Because you see, at the very core, they reflect the heart and the love and the compassion and the outward focus of our Father God, which we see so beautifully demonstrated in him 
and his son Jesus as he lived on the earth. And Jesus was the most stunning and perfect gift of all. And I want to take a second to read John 3.16, which is a really familiar verse to many, but let's make sure that the familiarity doesn't take away from its beauty. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Our God is a giving God. He has a completely giving nature, and we see an outpouring of his love right through the scriptures. When Moses presented himself to God with the two new stone tablets, the Lord came down in the cloud, and he stood there with him proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And this is who he is. This is the God that we serve and who we seek to love with all of our hearts. So let's think about it. Let's take it right back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but not just for himself. He entrusted his glorious creation to the care of human beings that he had created in his image and for his glory. And what an amazing demonstration of generosity that was. And to link this in for a wee second with creativity that we were looking at during the last couple of weeks, get your head around this. God made millions of species of insects, hundreds of thousands of species of flowers, 200,000 plus species of edible plants, 10,000 species of birds and stars too numerous to count. So we could actually say that every good thing that a person enjoys in life is actually a gift from our generous God. His goodness and his generosity is actually pretty overwhelming if you think about it. Psalm 8 verses 3 to 4 say, When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Our God still gives and he still is generous because as with each of his attributes, he is always and completely. His generosity is enduring. But why are we focusing on these attributes of God this morning? Well, it's because we are his image bearers. We have been created to reflect God and his son Jesus, who is the express image of God. Now, I have two daughters um, who are, how to think there, nearly 13 and um, 15 and three quarters. And um, people quite often make comments to them like, oh, do you know, you sounded so like your mum the way you said that. Or sometimes they use that expression, chip off the old block, when they behave in a way that kind of reflects what they've seen modelled in us or by us for good or for bad. And in the same way, we want to become increasingly like our Heavenly Father. So let's take a little bit of time to think about Jesus and his life when it comes to hospitality and generosity. Because remember, 
And we started with this right back, it seems a long time ago when I were approaching November. We started in September saying this, the vision is Jesus, an obsession with Jesus and deep hunger towards conformity into his image. Tim Chester, in his book, A Meal with Jesus, he said this, the focus of entertaining is to impress others. The focus of true hospitality is serving others. Serving. That's exactly what I see in the life of Jesus. Jesus wasn't out to impress. It wasn't about having all the fancy bits and pieces that um, the magazines say that, that we need to have and need to present in order to be the perfect host. Jesus got this. He understood that this was all about relationships. It's about giving of our time, that's a real biggie, our effort and our energy. It's inviting and getting to know others. And people who may well be hurting for human connection and love. Loneliness is an epidemic one of society's greatest epidemics. But it's something that we can all do something about as individuals, but also as a church body. And here's a statistic for you just to make you, um, to put it in context. Over 9 million people in the UK, that's almost a fifth of the population, say that they are always or often lonely. But almost two thirds feel uncomfortable to, to, to admit that. It's about God's command to love your neighbor. And there can be a cost when it comes to this, but there can be such blessing as well as you develop deep relationships with people and as you see God move in the lives of others. And interestingly, in the Old Testament, the welcome and care of the stranger was a matter of law for God's people. Leviticus 19 verses 33 to 34 says, When a stranger resides with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as a native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So perhaps that's something that we can look at and learn from today. Jesus is our example to follow. We know that he spent his life pouring into the lives of other people. He was so generous with his time and his talents and his treasure. But what did this look like practically and what can we learn from it? So I've basically broken this down into three main steps that um, we're going to think about, and then we're going to apply by looking at uh, one of the Bible stories to see it in action. So I'm going to focus on generosity first. Step one, Jesus drew from his relationship with the Father, and it was that relationship that was the source of his generosity. Step two, Next, he stepped into the opportunities that God the Father put before him. Step three, he didn't just see needs, but he saw the people who had those needs. So what I want to do is to have a little look with you at Matthew 14, 
um, verses 13 to 14. There are some Bibles as well if you want to grab one of those so you can look in your phone. Um, and this is what it says. When Jesus heard what had happened, this is just following um, the death of John the Baptist. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So let's have a wee think about this in the context of our steps. Step one, we talked about how Jesus drew from his relationship with the Father, and that was his source. So before he served others, we read here how Jesus withdrew to a solitary place. He would have been grieving the news of the death of John the Baptist, and I'm sure he needed time to be alone with God, to fellowship with him, and to spend time in prayer. That was his source. He needed to be filled up so that he could then pour out generously. We all lead pretty hectic, pretty busy lives, don't we? And there's so much going on in our heads. We've got worries, we've got concerns, we've got decisions to be made, we've got life pressures. We cannot serve from this place. If Jesus needed to withdraw, how much more so do we need to do that as well, to spend time with our Father, to be filled? And if we don't actually do this, there's a danger of real burnout and of overstretching ourselves, which is never good. So we go to God first, we get filled up by him, and we continually depend on our Heavenly Father as our source moment by moment. So let's think about our second step. He stepped into the opportunities that God the Father put before him. Think about all the opportunities that Jesus would have come up against. There were endless opportunities for him to be generous. But the thing is that Jesus, having spent time with his Father, he was in step with what God was calling him to do in that moment. And it wasn't that he was running away from or ignoring needs. He was actually being obedient to his calling in that moment. And when we read the New Testament, not everybody was healed. Not everybody was spoken to. Jesus didn't speak with every person, but he did do what his father called and pointed him towards doing. Now, personally, I learned the hard way whenever it comes to this. Um, whenever I was a teenager, I was part of the youth in CFC in Belfast. And um, at that stage, it was a pretty vibrant youth. There were an awful lot of us. And I guess I've always been a people person. And I really cared about uh, these guys who I got to know really well, just kind of doing life with. And I found myself in a situation where I had a lot of people who kind of started to come to me and to talk to me about their issues and their problems and to get advice and everything, which I loved because at the end of the day, these were important, significant individuals and I was happy to give them my time. But then I did get to a, a place where I was just like, oh, please give me peace. Have you ever been there? No, it's just me. 
So the phone would constantly ring, the doorbell would constantly ring, and there was one day my mum, who, by the way, is the most hospitable person ever. The number, the amount of scones that this lady made during this season of my life, she's absolutely incredible. But she just said, right, that is it. No more phone calls, no more callers. You are going to concentrate on your GCSEs, Debbie. As of now, you are not available. And you know, it was the best thing she could have done because I needed time out, I needed space. I completely had not learnt about the whole boundary thing at that stage. And there were people, and actually, no matter how much I did for them, no matter how much time I gave them, it was never enough. Because it was only Jesus who could actually fully meet their needs, not Debbie. And uh, I did my best in terms of advice and all that sort of thing, but... We need to really be careful when it comes to this because we need wisdom, we need discernment, and we need strength. Not to meet every need that we see in front of us, but to do what our Father tells us He wants us to do in the moment, focusing on who He is putting in our path. So back to your story. Jesus could have ignored this crowd. He could have sent them away. And surely he would have been justified to do this. He was grieving the loss um, of his relative. But no, on that day, he knew that his father was calling him to spend time with this large group of people. And he brought healing to those who were sick and generously stepped into the opportunities that God presented. Bold generosity was demonstrated. So point three he didn't just see needs, he saw the people who had the needs. Jesus met real needs. And he didn't give of himself out of pride or self-promotion or to feel good or to look good. Rather, he gave of himself to bring glory to God and out of the love and compassion that the Father had filled him with in step one. He not only saw the crowds, but he saw the individuals in the crowds. He saw and he gave of himself generously. And he saw these people the way his father saw these people. And that's the only way that we can step into the fullness of all of this. Drawing aside to be with our father, to be filled with his heart, his love, his compassion for others. And I remember teaching um, here at one stage when I was really looking at compassion and uh, I spoke about how the root word of compassion is gutted. To be moved to the point where everything within you, your very guts are stirred and you ache for that person or that group of people, which brings us right back to the importance of drawing from the source, doesn't it? So that's the generosity side of things. But what about hospitality as displayed through Jesus' life? You sometimes hear people saying things like, oh, if I just had a wee bit more money, I would be able to host people in my, in, in my home or, do you know, my house isn't really big enough to do the hosting thing or whatever it is. But actually, this is much more an issue of heart and giving of our time, although food is often in there as well as an expression of hospitality. So here we have Jesus a man who had no place to lay his head. A man who was without a salary. 
And yet he managed to so beautifully host throughout his life and his ministry. So to look at a couple of things here. He provided the best wine at the wedding feast, as Adam focused on last week. He invited the little children to come onto his knee when the disciples felt that he was too busy and important to talk talk to the children and give them of his precious time. He provided breakfast for his disciples after conquering death. And not forgetting the Last Supper, where actually the disciples were outraged at Jesus' words around betrayal, displaying how hosting isn't about everything always being perfect. And thinking about this last point, hosting it would be pretty easy and a pretty pleasant activity if it was always to do with hanging out with our, our friends, hanging out with people who are like us, who maybe see the world in the same sort of way as us. People who are easy company, not going to create too much drama. Because surely we have enough of that, don't we, to deal with in our everyday lives. And part of hosting is that, but that's not all. There's so much more to it than that. Now, we uh, lived in a community house in our mid-twenties, one of our crazy things we did, for a couple of years. And we had a really nice house, a really lovely house um, in a nice area in South Belfast. And we got a phone call from a friend asking us if we could put up a girl um, who was going to be traveling throughout Ireland. So right enough, we got a phone call a couple of days later and uh, this girl phoned us from Europa bus station and she spoke to Chris. And uh, I, can, I, I can remember the conversation and Chris said to her, can you give me an idea? What do you look like just so I can kind of pick you out um, whenever I'm going to collect you? And this girl said, well... My head is mostly shaved, and I have an orange Mohican. Now, Chris thought, oh, I like that. I'm going to like this girl. She's really good wit. She's really good sense of humor. That was quick. But he pulled up to the Europa bus station, and he spotted her a mile off. So this girl from Canada, with an attitude to match her hairstyle, looked like she had just walked off the stage of a punk rock concert with their black DM boots, which were absolutely horrendous with that cream carpet and that rented house that we lived in. Honestly, I've never bought so much carpet cleaner in my life. Um, So there she was. That's not her, but use your creativity, the giftings that God has given you. That pretty much did look like her, just have more orange on the Mohican, okay? So here we had this girl who was trying to find herself. I think you've probably grasped that. Um... And she had a lot of mess with her, but we brought her in, we fed her, we loved her, and she ended up living with us for probably about three weeks. And we had a really good time with her. I'm not so sure the neighbors were impressed, judging by the look on their faces at uh, what had walked into their neighborhood, let's just say. As we step into everything that God has for us, he'll often challenge our sense of comfort and security in order to stretch us and to grow us to look more like Jesus. But let's go back to Jesus and what hosting looked like for him. It looks to me that Jesus didn't keep company with those people who could overly help him or love him perfectly and people who wouldn't cause stress in his life. 
But he gave his time to serve the flawed, the poor, the more difficult characters, the despised and the rejected by society, the undeserving. Think about the women at the well. Think about Zacchaeus. Think about the thief on the cross. And I, I love this. I think this is completely stunning. Jesus, in the middle of his own um, anxiety and pain, was still showing generosity to others. I'm not going to go into too much detail. But we're going to look um, at those stories next week a little bit. So, Ashley Hales describes Jesus as a host in Finding Holy in the Suburbs. Like a king and host, he prepares a table in the wilderness. Like a priest, he offers the pure, unspotted lamb on behalf of the people of God for forgiveness of sins and restitution with God. That means restoring something lost. Like a host, he rains down provision in the desert, nearness when we are lonely, welcome when we do not deserve it. But he is also the offering, the food the host offers to the wedding guests. We are all messy at times. We are all hurting. We are all broken. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So let's not be careful to think of ourselves more highly than anyone else. This pure, unspotted lamb was given generously for every one of us, the ultimate gift and demonstration of generosity. And Jesus didn't try to avoid the messy moments either, the disorder within hearts. But instead, he extended and continues to extend a welcome saturated with unconditional love. And we are to do the same. And we should never wait for the perfect set of circumstances because we live in a broken world. And that perfect set of circumstances to um, show generosity and, and hospitality will probably never come. We live in a world where many people keep themselves to themselves. I hear this quite a lot in news reports where people are talking about neighbours or whatever, and yeah, they kept themselves to themselves. Our culture is one where people are tempted to hide in their comforts, to numb themselves with entertainment, to retreat to their phones in an effort to deal with and cope with the stress of living in this broken world. And maybe some of us can identify with some of those things as well. So no, no wonder loneliness is an epidemic. And no wonder that the suicide rates are at an all-time high. But life in the kingdom of God, it's defined in the opposite spirit of the world. Because we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. So what are we called to do then as image bearers of God? We are called to look up, to recognize the value of others, and to offer the gift of presence. It's about looking beyond ourselves, dying to ourselves, so that he might live in and through us. Matthew 16 verse 25 says, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, 
but whoever loses his life for me will find it. So it's actually about dying to ourselves, moving forward by intentionally drawing from the source of all that we are and have to the point where we can't actually help but overflow into the lives of others. Now cast your minds back to our study of Acts that we looked at for many, many months, um, Acts 2, 42 to 47. And again, we're going to be covering this next week. But I just want to briefly refer to it in the context of thinking about a really beautiful picture of what hospitality and generosity can look like when lived under Jesus. We clearly see in this picture how the blessings poured out on God's people are shared out practically. Everything that people had, it wasn't hoarded. It was shared out among those who had need. And people were blessed and became a blessing to others. You got that wee football quote? Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. This is a shame Alan isn't here, actually. This is his team. This bloke plays for some wee team called Liverpool. Okay, Sado Mane. And this is what he said. I thought it was quite interesting. Why would I want 10 Ferraris, 20 watches, or two planes? I survived hard times, played football barefooted, did not have an education. Today I can help my people build schools, stadiums, and buy clothes and food. I prefer my people receive some of what life has given to me. Blessed to be a blessing. And actually, as image bearers, our original design was to overflow with blessing. Think of the words that God spoke to Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, when he was calling him to leave his country, to go to an unknown land that the Father would show him, kind of a little bit like our journey in Emmanuel. Isn't that right? But God's got it. We're all right. And this is what God said to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. We are blessed to be a blessing in the lives of others. And Abraham had to steward well what the Lord had given him. And this idea of stewardship is very much a biblical principle. We want to steward well what God has entrusted and blessed us with, don't we? And then he can entrust us with even more. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And that's not why we do it. But that's another very real demonstration of the generosity and the heart of our Father. It's all about a posture of sacrifice and service. And what can I give as opposed to what can I get? An open hand as opposed to a clenched fist. And think of the parable of the talents. The truth is this. Don't think we particularly like this, but that's the truth. We will all be called to give an account of everything that we have been given, including our time, our money, 
our abilities, our wisdom, and our relationships. We'll all give an account to the rightful owner as to how well we have managed these things that he has entrusted to us. And we should all long to hear those words that the master exclaims in Matthew 25, verse 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And Proverbs 11, verse 25, it's great too. It encourages us saying, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. If approached wisely, drawing continually from the source, this practice will bring life to us as we serve and as we love and as we lay down our lives. And in the context of giving, we need to take seriously the biblical principle of tithing. So we set aside 10% as a guideline of our income as the first fruits of what God has given us. And we give back to him then as an act of worship. And some of us might need to work towards that. And others might need to ask God what generosity looks like in their personal lives. And actually that might well involve going above and beyond 10%. Our survey showed that over 65 of you um, tithe at least 10%, which is really encouraging. And we would like to keep encouraging everybody to continue to lean in to what this means for you in your circumstances right now. But above all the percentages, the key question when it comes to financial giving is where is your heart? I'm nearly done. So going back to the very beginning, let's consider this through the lens that of the fact that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Desmond Tutu, have a good quote for him, from him. Like humility, generosity comes from saying that everything we have and everything we accomplish comes from God's grace and God's love for us. Certainly it is from experiencing the, certainly it is from experiencing the generosity of God and the generosity of those in our life that we learn gratitude and to be generous to others. And as I was preparing this, I really felt God prompt me to encourage you to enlarge or expand your perimeters and understanding whenever it comes to expressions of generosity and hospitality. The last few weeks we've been focusing on creativity, so let's tap into that and see if we can think of really creative ways and innovative ways that we can reach out and impact the community of Portadown. Maybe new ways that we can practically demonstrate the heart of the Father through our own lives. I saw a Facebook post, I think it was maybe Newcastle in England, and people were putting coats, warm winter coats, on lampposts with a note, basically saying, if you're cold, if you're on the streets, take this and use it, which I thought was lovely. And I had called my mum and dad's last night and mum's just moved into um, a new development. And she said, it was the funniest thing. The doorbell rang on Friday night and there were two women standing there in the pouring rain, a really miserable night. 
And basically, they were from a local church, and they had come with a gift for mom and dad just to say, welcome to the area. Is there anything I can do for you, pray for you about? And again, that was sacrificial. They were soaked. Now, they came in and enjoyed mom's nice hospitality, and I'm sure they were very well looked after, but they had actually, they had brought homemade shortbread, so even the kind of personal touch behind that, and something else, can't remember what that was. But let's think about innovative ways that we can demonstrate this. So I want to finish off today by showing you a little video that I came across. Now, I'm not 100% sure whether or not this outreach comes under the umbrella of a Christian group. But oh my goodness, how beautifully we can see the compassion and the generosity poured out with these volunteers and what they do. And whether they recognize it or not, they're serving, they're seeing a need, and they're operating out of the truth that they've been made in the image of God and his heart and compassion is flowing from their practical actions into the lives of these people. In fact, we could definitely learn a a thing or two from them. So take a little look. Isn't that beautiful? Just to see people are almost standing taller whenever they come out of the showers because they feel that their dignity has been restored, that they've been seen, that they've been valued, that they've been cared for, that they have been loved. 
It's such a beautiful, beautiful picture of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Philippians 2 verse 4 says, Look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And whether or not these guys actually know Jesus, they are doing that. They're completely doing that. So let's think outside the box in terms of generosity and hospitality. What is God calling us to do as individuals, but also as a church body? Let's take a little bit of time. If the band want to come up, that would be super. I would just love a little bit of response time here just to allow the Holy Spirit to uh, just really speaking, to be speaking to your heart this morning. What does he want to say? What does he want to whisper? What does he want to do um, in terms of speaking to you about everything that we have looked at this morning? So can I invite you to stand? We're going to worship together and let's lay ourselves and our lives down afresh, inviting God to have his way in and through our lives.